Welcome to Drive the Bid, the podcast brought to you by Autohunter.com and ClassicCars.com. I want to welcome to the table, as always, Jeff and Derek Hello. and myself, Brad. Happy to be at the table. We'd like Happy to welcome you as well, Brad. Oh, yep. thank you, gentlemen. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, quick business out of the way. Autohunter.com is an online auction. There's seven-day online auctions for classic and interesting vehicles. Not necessarily old, but interesting vehicles. We're not selling a couple-year-old Altimus here. They're all interesting cars. Uh, it's a seven-day process, so you put your car... Well, it's part of a seven-day process altogether, but it's a seven-day auction. So you list your car on a Monday, ends on a Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, etc., uh, Monday through Friday. You are allowed to set a reserve on your car. It's a reserve that we'll negotiate and talk to you about to make sure it's a reserve that both makes you happy and is a number where we think the car will sell, because obviously selling cars is the game. We don't want your car to not sell and spend all that time and effort doing that. There is no cost to you to list the car beyond the listing fee of $129.99. And after that point, it's just a buyer's commission that comes off the back end. So great way to sell your car. Look us up, autohunter.com. Our other site is classiccars.com, which is more of a traditional classified site. So also an option for you. So business out of the way. We have a couple things to talk about today, gentlemen. A couple new car announcements have happened. We're not huge on the new cars here, but they're interesting new cars. So they get a little attention at the beginning of the show. So, Jeff, you're kind of the uh, supercar authority of the bunch here. So if you want to, as a hypercar authority? Um, I, it doesn't really matter. Um, for, well, uh, it doesn't matter as long as I call you authority. To, to my personal credit, yeah. to give me some validation, I was on a supercar rally last weekend. Okay. So um, there's that. Um, but the main announcements come from Pagani Ferrari. And then, of course, we have the new Ford 7th generation pony car coming out tonight as well. But the first one is the Pagani. That's the Utopia. Has been announced. Sure. Um, which is a very interesting car. I like it. Bad it's, name. The, the name's bad, but personally, I would take it over uh, Huayra, but would probably take a Zonda over this car, even though this car, to me, has more Zonda flair. And so it's a naturally aspirated V12, and they offer a seven-speed manual gearbox with this car as well. So it's kind of nice to, to see that they're pursuing the um, sake of driving as opposed to pursuing the top-speed craze that we currently see so much of interesting because none of it really matters anyway because 99.9 percent of all the buyers of these cars are not capable of taking them to their limit at all so why not give the manual transmission as some to make it more enjoyable for the average the average enthusiast versus saying oh it's got the automatic because it's faster and it's faster on the track and again most people buying these cars can't drive to that level anyway, so who cares? Well, the other thing is it's you want to, to learn who buys Pagani. Pagani was saying most of their customers are actually returning customers, if you're curious of who ends up buying these cars. Because there's seven people that can afford them, and they keep going back and forth buying the and same they have, cars. And they have the money to yeah. buy all of them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the you're, next... you're not cross-shopping a Civic and a Pagani, so... No, but the people who have Paganis, as I found out, there was a video of a guy in New York that had a crazy collection like 30 cars like all a million plus several paganis drove a honda civic that he parked when he went to the subway to go to work like into the city well, i mean you wouldn't that's park good a strategy so pagani you can own a civic and a Huayra. they're not exclusive 
Right, but he wasn't ever cross-shopping them. He wasn't True. like... He wasn't, well, should yeah. I get ore? Yes, yes, I get that. It was, I can't leave my Pagani at uh, the train yes. station. Well, I've got... <laughs> I need to buy yeah. a Civic. I am surprised he went so far down as to a Civic. I figured it'd be something like a E-Class Like a Mercedes, or yeah. yeah. An entry-level Mercedes or a BMW right. or a Lexus or something would be that what you would assume. probably breaks down too much. He wanted the reliability. I wanted guess. to make it to the, the subway station. Yeah, because anyway, he can't pay the maintenance, you know. Yeah, that's not saying all Mercedes <laughs> are bad. Some, some of them, I've heard some of the cheaper... Mercedes are very much cheaper. I'm not sure that we're worried about operating costs when you're like your second car is a no, Pagani. No, but here, like it, you know, he still wants to make it to work. That's true. Although, also, I'm going to bring it down this road. Oh, if boy. he has the kind of money where he can afford a Pagani, he probably has the kind of job where he can make his own schedule and probably drinks whiskey <laughs> like the regular. There's like four decanters in the office, and his office is an estate. I'm surprised Correct. he doesn't take a helicopter to work, you know? Oh, he's environmentally conscious. Oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, getting back on yes, topic. Getting back here. on topic. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the, the Pagani is very cool looking. I mean, it looks yes. like a Pagani. Why, no, why, no why is it made? a Pagani. If you're a hypercar, supercar manufacturer, why on earth would you go, you know what? This is a beige car. I don't know if it's beige or if it's kind of like a. Like, like a, a gold and silver. Like a subtle gold. Yeah, I think it's more like a rose gold kind of. I mean, maybe the pictures don't do it justice. It could be the monitor in your computer because I'm not looking at anything that looks beige in front of me right now. So. But, but in looks... their defense, I mean, it seems like so many of, you know, the Wyra and the Zonda, I just seem to recall those being in like a silver or a gunmetal or a carbon carbon. Yeah. yeah, like subdued colors. Like they're not Lamborghini. Like I, Lamborghini I suppose it depends really on what cars you've seen. So locally, the Paganis we have here, there's a metallic red Wyra with exposed carbon. And then there's a pearl white Huayra BC that has red and gold stripes. BC is the convertible one? It's No, BC is the race car one with the wing. Hmm. I mean, it's not a race car race car. That's what the R is. Okay. Um, so it's a street legal performance version with a wing. This one was a Roadster. So Pagani calls all their convertibles Roadsters. So this was, and this one is a Roadster. It's a Pagani Huayra Roadster BC. So top does come off. Yes. Oh, okay. That was my. I think I've no, seen no, the car before. Not all of them do. You can get a BC hard top. But the one that's local has the top comes off. Yes. So I have seen that car before. I but was not, thinking it was the car I'd seen. But yeah, the white one. I think so. Yeah. yeah I, beautiful. I think it's actually moved since. They're kind of out of my radar. That was a so. brand new build too. Interesting. Um, so it's a very neat car. I I don't really understand them, but they're not for me. So it's cool to see they're still making it. It's cool to see they're making it with a manual transmission because that is obviously as a driving enthusiast, a car enthusiast, that's something mm-hmm. we want to be around for a while, even if we can't so, afford it. Yeah, that's we'll get to that later. And so it's it's one of those things. I'm glad it exists. I'm not yes. crazy about the styling, but I'm glad it exists. I mean, not only naturally aspirated V12, mm-hmm. but you know they moved into a seven-speed manual, whereas uh, you know Lambo and Ferrari uh, hypercars they don't have a manual anymore, much less a seven-speed. Yeah, that yeah, that part's disappointing. But um, Mercedes is still providing the V12. That probably wasn't a shocker for those of you that know who builds Pagani's engines. Yeah, but I forgot to mention this; just clicked in my head now. If you want to know the background of the weird name, since it's very un Pagani esque, because Zonda and Huayra are very exotic compared to Utopia. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, it's Italian, so maybe Utopia is exotic in that sense. But the whole point of the name, I suppose, is driving experience. So it yes, has like a halo. Experience Utopia. Right. Yeah. So I mean, Utop- Utopia from. is like perfection, essentially. Yes. Like I remember, I'm going to date myself here, but I remember playing a video game as a 
younger child uh, on a video game system called Intellivision. Hmm. And on that video game system, the game was called Utopia. And it was like a world building game. You had to like build your island to have factories and housing and shipping and all that kind of stuff. So it was called Utopia because you're building the ultimate place where people would want to live. Hmm. Utopia, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the goal of being, you know... In the happiest place you can be, right? So, like Disney, the Disneyland ride. What is it? Autotopia. Autopia. Yeah, um, but it's 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 a neat name, I guess. In that case, I just doesn't. Mm, I don't like it for a car, especially an Italian car. If you're going to pay yeah. millions of dollars for an Italian car, then people tell people it's just called Utopia. I guess I'd experience a feeling of Utopia if I were to drive one, maybe. Yeah. Well, and if you pay a little extra, you can get it debadged. So you know. It wouldn't be I'm on there. not even sure they have. Like if you look at like, 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 a, like for example, <laughs> like a modern Ferrari. Um, if you ever want to know what a Ferrari is, like you see one, you go, "Wow, that's a cool Ferrari." You bring Jeff with you, you ask him well, he knows. Uh, and I well, don't. aside from that, if you, if, if you know off the top of your head, there's actually no badges on the exterior of a Ferrari to tell you what it is. The only way, to, well, sorry, some of the older ones have it. The older ones, um, do, for sure, but no new cars have it. The only way to know is if you don't know off the top of your head. If you go to the passenger side and look through the window on the dash, it always says the model of the car. So in there, you'll find your five nine nine. It'll say four eighty eight or whatever, and that's how you can tell on the new cars because they actually don't have any badges and as a plus to that if you want a ferrari so the shield on the front quarter panel is actually a sort of like option so the base cars come with a metal shield but it's actually a five thousand dollar option to get painted uh crests on the side instead interesting mm. mm-hmm. that's a lot of money it's like, it's like debadging <laughs> but not debadging up badging up badging and painting it on i mean and painting it probably that's why it's expensive so but since we shifted to ferrari the next one is the Ferrari Pro Songway, I believe is the pr- correct way of pronouncing that. And that's Ferrari's SUV that Ferrari says is not an SUV. Well, it's definitely an SUV. Well, you say that, but all the pictures of it like next to other cars, it appears to be lower than what we generally consider crossover in SUV okay, territory. so it's a station wagon. <laughs> What's, what is no, a, what is a low SUV? Shooting brake, Brad. Shooting it's European. Brakes. It's a shooting Sh- brake. But I, that would mean it's a Avant. Because a shooting brake is generally a coupe that has been converted into a extended roof wagon. Um, so this is a Ferrari station wagon. Because what is an SUV that's low? It's a station wagon. You can't deny that statement. Like in the seventies, uh, families drove station wagons. For reference, sake, I would just call Jeep it a tall Ferrari. Call them SUVs. I would just call it a tall Ferrari because they've also built the. So uh, a tall Ferrari is an SUV. I, I would just call it marketing gymnastics. It's definitely that. Call it what um, you will. It's dumb. Yeah. What is the? Uh, I don't like it at all. But this isn't the first time Ferrari's built a four-seater car. No. Um, they built the. Is it FF? Mm-hmm. Which was an actual shooting brake. Right. So this car, I mean, it looks, there's there's some similar styling cues. This is a four-door, though, right? This is a four-door with yeah. suicide doors. The rear doors are open backwards. That's interesting. And then another another interesting thing. So this is a naturally aspirated V12 producing 715 nice. horsepower, but it actually sits behind the front axle. And so it also has a transaxle being a Ferrari. So it's got a near 50-50 weight distribution. I believe the actual numbers are 49-51. Cool. Nice. That's the, cool. I think it's cool. Okay, so hear me out. So I think it's cool you because... You put perfect weight distribution in a Jeep Wrangler. It's still not going to drive well, like a Ferrari. So. <laughs> it also doesn't have a race mode, which is another bespoke Ferrari thing that's not in the car. And there's also no... It has some like off-roady modes, but not like an actual like, you should take this off-road mode. More like a bumpy road. 
yeah. type of thing. Or like if you're going to drive on sand or something Correct. like that. Right. And No low the, range. <laughs> the thing I like about it is in this craze of everybody needs to build an SUV, literally all the other manufacturers that like are in that position to build a car like that, Aston Martin, uh, Lamborghini, all, all those companies, all have an SUV now. And some of those are literally based off of other production models, right? The Urus, it's it's no surprise that it's based off Pontiac, Pontiac SUV. Aztec? It has the Audi V8. Huh? This is based off of Pontiac Aztec? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it has the Audi V8. There's even videos on the internet of people taking the Lamborghini Urus valve, like, fake plastic cover that hides the ugly bits of the engine and just putting it onto the Audi and likewise the other way. Sure. Which is depressing to me. But this, this car is bespoke. It fits that... Um, I guess itch, so to speak, that people are looking for in terms of I want my big Ferrari or my tall Ferrari, and so they get that. But it's not just an SUV grafted from something else with a badge slapped on it. Okay. Quick roundup here, Persangue. Mm-hmm. So it's direct competitor. I understand why these brands are making SUVs. Mm-hmm. Selling a mainstream vehicle allows you to make enough money to make your fun stuff. Yeah, I get it. I'm not. I'm not angry about the reasoning they exist. I'm angry about the people that are buying them, but that's fine. Persongway is the Ferrari version of the Lamborghini Urus, right? It's called an Urus. Urus, right? yep. also a terrible name. But what does an Urus cost? Uh, the Urus starts at 220, I believe, and then they just announced the Performante, which starts at 250. So this is 390 thousand dollars. Good grief! Is it I going it was to 300? Is That's it going to be more. the same buyer base? Once you buy a $200,000 car, does it not matter? You could have probably bought a $400,000 car. I, I don't know because I'm not in this buyer bracket. I don't understand what the competition point is here. Like, is this? going to be a mainstream because if you go to like an expensive part of town in a, in a fancy place and there are people with money there you are going to see an urus there are a lot of them mm-hmm. we work in scottsdale i don't go a day without seeing some sort of lamborghini everywhere yep. it doesn't make sense i don't understand it but life goes on um is this the same customer base or is it a totally different customer they're going after at double the price of an urus you know, that's an interesting question, especially going back to what you said earlier. Everything I can think of in that price range, even a V12 um, G-Wagon, so the G65, was 265000 I believe. So still significantly less than three ninety. Correct. And so nothing in that space is up. Well, actually, the Koenigsegg Gemara will cost more than that. So there's another four-seater. But that's not an SUV, though. No, but the Ferrari is technically not an SUV, at no, least if is. you ask Ferrari. Yeah, but, it, but it is. It's so. all Ferrari. Jeff, remember, you're a corporate show for Auto Hunter, <laughs> not for Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Ferrari refuses to call it an SUV, but Ferrari also made a statement a couple of years ago saying they would never build an SUV. So maybe that's the we refuse to yeah. admit. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, you still can't it's get us a, on yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't get us on this. I will never drink water. I only drink H two O. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, right. it's it, it, no. I don't. I don't agree with that at all. It's def, It's clearly an SUV. It looks like a five nine nine or something that they inflated. That's kind of what I see. Yeah. And it's not attractive. What? It is not attractive. I thought it's pretty it good is, looking. It is a, uh, me it, too. Yeah. It is not attractive. Obviously, this is an objective conversation. No, I'm right. And I've, I've just been <laughs> outvoted, and my own line knows that my opinion is correct, which is used on me by Derek. Yeah. But that's okay, because I don't like it. Telling me that you like it is fine. 
I, I still I, have a high opinion of you, sir, so don't worry about and it. They didn't even Ooh. announce it in Rosso Corsa or Ferrari Riso Red. Yeah, yeah. Gray's an odd. I mean, I guess it's to, to point, go back to what you were saying earlier. The people that want SUVs and other stuff don't want flashy colors most Have of the time. Have you seen Urus customers? <laughs> no, yeah, okay. I've seen that orange Urus one. customers yeah. and the Mercedes 4x4. 6x6. Um, no, no, no. 4x4. It's like a lifted G-Wagon. Oh, yeah. The yeah, one yeah with it's the 4x4 squared. Stuff. Yes, yeah. Yeah. 4x4 squared. Course, yeah. um, I, there was one of those by our Awatuki office today in neon yellow. Good grief. And that's the color I always see of those. Every time I see one of those, it's that Yeah, I've seen yellow. that one around before. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so it's, it's just interesting that it exists and it's that much money and it's quote unquote not an SUV. Ferrari's been raising their prices forever. The entry level car um, is considerably more expensive than what the California used to be. It just it, it blows my mind. Anyway, moving on to something a little bit more palatable to our income level. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a big announcement coming out later on today for the replacement of the Mustang with the next generation Mustang. A bunch of photos have been released, so we have seen it. It's nothing groundbreaking, that's for sure. Like Mustang has always kind of been evolutionary versus revolutionary, right? Mm-hmm. And the new one is the same. There's a five liter badge in the side, so we assume it's going that's to have the concerning. five liter Coyote. Yeah. It's concerning there's a five liter badge in the that side. That engine's been around since 2011, 12. Okay, so that's 10 years. How long yeah, was the 5-liter around for? 1966 to 2000 and to 1995 or something, or 96. We're not talking like Fox Body 5-liter, are we? Yeah, it was around for a long time. Yeah, they went from mm. carbureted to fuel injection at one point, but it was right. around for a long time. Mm. Well, one uh, sort of silver lining here is there's talk that they're going to put the 6.8-liter V8 that's going to go into the newest version of the Super Duty in the Mustang. Now, we'll hmm. see if that comes to pass, but it would definitely be an upgrade over the 5.0. I wonder why they would choose the 6.8 over something like the 7.3, which they also still sell as a crate engine. That's the, the Godzilla gas engine. Yeah, I don't know what the packaging is. I don't know if it's a bigger engine. Maybe it won't fit in the well, chassis. I know the horsepower rating I don't know if it's is only 430 for the Godzilla engine, but yeah, it's 475 yeah. foot-pounds of torque. Yeah, maybe it's just a packaging thing. Yeah, you know, it could be. It's got to be an absolute. We'll have to wait and see engine. what's actually announced because yeah, it was this is all speculation. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see that they're continuing the Mustang name on. I'm excited yeah. to see it's yep. still V8 powered because there yep. was a consu- no, conversation that it was going to be a hybrid electric something, mm-hmm. and here we are showing a five. If it's a five liter plus a hybrid, I mean, that'd be kind of cool. I, don't, I wouldn't particularly probably buy one yeah. yet, yet, yet. I'm not, again, I don't think any of us are anti-electric car. We're just not really there yet to purchase one, but it is what it is. Jeff's gritting his teeth because he's yeah. anti-electric car, apparently. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, apparently that upsets me way more than I thought it did initially. What, the idea of an electrified Mustang or just EVs electric in Electric cars, yeah. Yeah, hmm. they're fine. I think I think they have their place. I just they do. Yeah, it just to, to, depends to, on to your. To not make it too political, I won't get into it. But I, I don't think uh, it's political. I think it's just your. It's a lifestyle thing. I think, I think hybrid's cool. It's the best of both worlds type of thing, right? You can have your acceleration and your top speed. Sure, I think it's pretty cool. And your economy. and your range. Yeah, economy is the is the issue here. Um, Anyway, so the new mic is coming out. We'll probably have more to say about that next week once it's officially announced. But and we know I just thought it was sure. neat because we've seen the pictures. We know what it looks like. We know it's not anything too changed from the current one. The interior is totally different. 
from the yeah, S550. Yeah, the interior, if the leaked pictures are true, mm-hmm. is disappointing. Oh, God, yeah. I really I really hope it's not true because it is. As a car enthusiast and a vintage car enthusiast like car. we all are, we like gauges. We want round dial yeah. gauges. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's an electric car or a regular car, I don't care. I want a normal round speedometer and a round tachometer at least the option for because you know uh in the past few years you know they've option they've offered that 12 inch digital display which is cool it's flashy Mm -hmm. it's techy it's you know convenient but you know there was always the option depending on how you configured it to get the analog you know deep barrel tack and speedo Mm -hmm. which i think is nice but i'm i'm wondering if that's going to be available at all in this next generation well the other thing is is uh ford had that full digital gauge that they were announcing as an option for the s550 and so what that was is the s550 had the stereotypical mustang cutouts with a circle on each side um and then you had a digital screen in the middle and then this was a full digital gad like gauge which was it offered a bunch of cool stuff you could switch between a retro style gauge that had like the you know old 60 style font and all that stuff and you could also have like a more updated and even a race mode that would sort of you know show you some of your more important readouts from the car that you may pay more attention to if you're tracking the car yeah and like so, a bar tack at the top and right and that to me seems like the motorsport direction of what you'd want to see but in the pictures that were leaked which again may not be accurate it shows giant screens that go from the driver's side, kind of like you would find at a Tesla per se, all the way to the center console. And they're like, they're connected. And to me, that's very disappointing. It, there's nothing sporty about it, in my opinion. It's just boxy, ugly, and looks like if you wanted to drive your iPad, you'd drive this car. That being said, <laughs> again, we have no experience driving this car or anything. It just, this is what we're going off of is leaked photos. So we'll have to circle back around to this next week. Yeah, it'll be, it interesting, be interesting to see what gets firmed up, you know, in the coming days. Mm-hmm. Should be interesting. So, moving on, I am the third and final host of the show who has not given the question of the day to the other two hosts. Mm. So, my question to both of you, because we're all on a very different page with this. We just spent a bunch of time talking about Ferraris and Paganis. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Lamborghini talk mixed in there, mm-hmm. Porsche talk, whatever. As an enthusiast, I think that we all have different things that make us an enthusiast. And we don't necessarily always understand each other's likes and loves of things, right? Mm-hmm. As we talked about earlier, I I do like Mustang 2s. I think they're kind of neat looking. They're no, they don't take away from the Mustangs that came before or after. They're just an interesting-looking 70s car. And the Cobra version is cool to me because it's a four-speed 302. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't share that opinion. <laughs> it's well known that I have some kind of unloved cars in my own personal collection. That being said, I get why I like them because I like them. I understand my attraction to them. Now, as car enthusiasts... Both of you are, I think, more into the supercar, hypercar, performance car, modern car than I am. Knowing that we all work at the same company and they're about the same level employee, (laughs) I know I can't buy a Pagani or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Actually, that can, I bet you there are some Ferraris you can afford. I could probably buy Mondial. a three weight if yep. I stretched. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Cheaper, cheaper than that. Mondial. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Sure. Some other stuff. Anyway, 
I find it hard to pay enough attention, care about, and get excited about modern supercars and hypercars for a couple of reasons. One, value. I'm not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. $390,000 or $390, for this new Persangue is more than my house cost. Yeah. So it's a real hard pill to swallow. Yes. And I can live in my house. You could I guess live I could in live a, in a Prasangue. Come on, Brad. Yeah. You could live in a Prasangue, but you can't drive a house. That's true. Come That's, on. This is a valid point, um, but also not practical. <laughs> so I just, I, I beyond the, the valuation of it, I also don't get excited about new supercars because I honestly think that they're too much nowadays. You know, I go back to the Ferrari that I could afford, a 308 or a Mondial. Mm-hmm. I can get in that car, and I can drive it, and I can drive it hard, and have a good time, and enjoy it. And have a gated manual. Have a gated manual, and not be risking life and limb as much as I would in a new supercar, where matting the throttle for three and a half seconds is... Instant death. 100 miles an hour. (laughs) And if your carbon ceramic brakes aren't warmed up, you fly off the cliff. Right off the cliff. So now my question is, regarding both of these factors, the cars are so fast that you really can't use them anywhere. And people make the argument, I can take it to a track day. Again, like I said, 99.9% of buyers of these vehicles are not capable of driving them to their limit. That's the buyers of these vehicles. Now, as Mm -hmm. two gentlemen who are into cars... What excites you about that stuff, knowing that it's not something that's even on your radar? You know, I think I feel like there's a lot to it. Um, some of it, I think, is stuff that I can't quite quantify. Um, but I think to to compare it, for example, we look back on certain cars, which we also can't afford, like the Lamborghini Countach and the Testarossa of older cars. And I think even you, Brad, appreciate those, right? I do. At one time. And I can tell you why. Those afterwards. were new cars that were also still unaffordable to the mass majority of people. Okay. And I think part of me, for example, when I was getting into cars when I was younger, and I remember getting some of my first, you know, these are 365 sports cars or whatever. Sure. The Ferrari Enzo was like just coming out as I was getting into that stuff. And obviously, at whatever, however old I was, I can't afford a Ferrari Enzo. I didn't even have a job, right? But for whatever okay. reason, that just still becomes a poster car. And so you still become fascinated by Ferrari. And, like, you know, you hear different things. You, the styling cues change. They're obviously very gorgeous cars most of the time. Very easy on the eyes, even if you don't like the Pro Songway, which is a sort of different direction for Ferrari. Yeah, it's it's polarizing. Some there's, I mean, there's even examples, I guess, of other brands. Like the Aston Martin Rapide is a car that did not sell very well, and they're very cheap if you wanted to buy one, uh, which is a four-door Aston, for those of you that don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know. There's just something, I guess maybe it's the unattainable part of it that keeps some of the interest. And, you know, obviously some of the technology will probably eventually trickle down in certain aspects and who knows what can happen to some of these cars. These could be 308 prices in 20 years. Maybe nobody cares because they built so many of 488s or whatever. And then you get your Ferrari experience. Do you think that they'll be able to? Do you think that a 30-year-old 488 is going to be a car that somebody could buy cheap and maintain? Because theoretically, purchasing a 308 or a Mondial, I could still maintain that. It's a simple enough vehicle. It doesn't require specialized computers. Like, say a McLaren F1 
wasn't worth still well, bought that's by, wasn't, not fair. On. Say a McLaren F1 didn't hold its value and gain value. It wasn't worth millions of dollars. And it was just some kind of forgotten supercar that just existed. And you'd be like, I remember loving that as a kid. And now they're like 50 grand. I should buy one. But you couldn't work on it because you needed that one computer that works on the diagnostic system that lives in England. <laughs> yeah. So one, I think that's an unfair argument because the McLaren F1 was the first car built by McLaren um, as a like dedicated built car right and so it has a specialized computer and even to this day if you get service done on your McLaren F1 they bring that stupid computer to you and blow the dust off and yeah plug it into your car to do all your readings and replace your plated gold it does blow my mind that nobody has like Taking and it. rewritten that computer program in probably 10 minutes on an iPhone. For what is yeah. now a 20 plus million dollar car. <laughs> right. And regularly raced in vin- like the whatever racing well, like what, stuff Whatever the processing power of that computer had is probably, you know, a quarter of what your phone in your pocket has now. So right. it's funny that nobody has like cracked the code and fixed that. But, but anyway. They've built a ton of 488s. There's a ton of variations of 488s and 458s, which is a very similar engine, flat plane crank V8. Um, They've built a lot of variations of that car. And so I'm willing to bet that if that got to the point where those were kind of like around and there were ratty versions that you could pull parts off of, that you'd be able to find parts fairly easy. Um, You have some cars that are not readily available for miscellaneous parts and things, but you can still find stuff. No, you're right. But as far as stuff to make the vehicles run, they're simple enough vehicles that you can improvise. For sure. it, for instance, like my 1974 Dodge Colt, I couldn't get a fuel pump in time. So I was able to go to the parts store, bypass the mechanical fuel pump, mm-hmm. wire up an electric fuel pump, and it works just fine. You know, I couldn't get a factory carburetor, so I can buy a Weber carburetor and adapt it to the manifold. Like, that's the kind of stuff that you couldn't do on a 488. You could be like, well, this fuel pump's not working. Better go to AutoZone and buy the one off the shelf. Right, and that might not be necessarily even a, just a Ferrari problem, right? If we're being honest. It might be modern cars in general. Right. But, but I think that the difference is if 30 years from now you're driving a 2022 Mustang, you're going to have that many more people that are going to be like, oh, I also have a 2022 Mustang. We can work on this and figure it out. Whereas if you're driving a 2022 Ferrari, kind of historically, except for like the Halo cars, best Ferrari is newest Ferrari, and the rest of them kind of get left into the wayside. It's why a Mondial is not a worthwhile car anymore. Or I shouldn't say worthwhile. I love them. But it's not a, a valuable car because Ferrari people are like, eh, it's just a Mondial. 308 was better. 328 was better. Whatever. Testarossa was way better. The newest Ferrari is not always the best Ferrari. It historically kind of has been. It's improving as it goes along. And the kind of person that, listen, the kind of person that can spend $400,000 on a car doesn't want to have a 10-year-old car. They want to have the newest, latest, and greatest. That's kind of why used luxury cars are so cheap. I mean, it's partially because they cost a lot to repair once they're out of warranty. But nobody that's buying a brand new Audi A8 wants a 10-year-old A8. So the people that could afford to fix them don't want them. a different market. Uh, Totally different. I'm I'm just saying it's the same kind of story. Because nobody that can afford to repair an Audi A8 (laughs) wants an Audi A8 that's 10 years old. They're going to buy a brand new one. 
So the used one becomes worth a third of what it was worth new or a quarter of what it was worth new. So um, so first I'm going to point out that the 1962 Ferrari 250 GTO, one recently sold for $73 million. True. Um, so that's the oldest Ferrari. Um, that's probably worth ridiculous money. But on the same note, if you wanted a 60s Ferrari, you could buy like a 330, you know, it was 330 Super America. Is that what it's called? The one I'm thinking of? It's like a uh, Ford. That looks more like a British car. Right. And you could buy one for a couple hundred grand. That's a lot. That's more it's than... It's a lot of money, but in the comparison to the 75... Ferraris that are In the comparison to the $75 million Ferrari, it's not, because the Halo car was the Halo car. That's why the F40 is $2 million versus... GTO. Yeah, the Halo car is always the Halo car, and the other Ferraris have always kind of been less valuable and less cherished. They still are. I'm not saying they're bad cars, but that's back when Ferrari was still a very low-volume brand, very few cars were out there there are significantly more modern ferraris being made than there ever were ferraris back then yes so i just don't think that the same value proposition is going to be there i think eventually we're going to see these ferraris fall off in value pretty heavily and i don't think the support is going to be there to keep them on the road yeah this is probably a conversation for another time but i think the thing that i think about most when i think about what modern cars will look like as potential collector cars or in 30 years from now is we don't even know what the state of internal combustion cars or even laws regarding cars. I'm not trying to say be pessimistic and say this is the end. I doubt they'll outlaw gas cars in our lifetime. But you, who knows what it could look like? There could be some sort of rule in terms of like being limited to how often you could drive certain cars. Maybe certain things become more valuable for that reason or... Yeah, you might have a cap like on uh, collector car insurance. You know, oh, it's only you can only drive this many miles a year. Sure, it may possibly take away your collector license. That's a whole another <laughs> yeah, conversation for a whole another time. Correct. And yeah, I'm also not going to be super pessimistic about it. In fact, I go the optimistic route with it. Like, it'll be you know somebody's going to come up with some. There's people working on it with some Haggerty, you know, al- alternative driving. alternative fuel that's going to burn super clean and be. You know, sustainably easy to make, and Porsche it's going to be like, that. Yeah. and so electric cars are going to be like these. Don't make any sense anymore. Let's use this alternative oh, fuel. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that would be the best day of my life. Yeah, it would be beautiful. Break this down stuff, and cry. This stuff burns into water after yeah. it combusts. It's great. It's just liquid gold pours it out the back. Plants yeah. trees as it drives down the street. That's that's what we're looking for here. But it's 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 very hard sometimes to to, to be a sustainable car enthusiast. I guess you'd call it because mm-hmm. you get that like bad stigma of like oh. You're driving this old car. It's ruining the planet. Like, I'm not buying a new one. Mm -hmm. Recycling. We're recycling. Anyway, Derek, what is your thought on this whole this whole thing? What what brings you the interest in these high end stuff that you can't technically purchase tomorrow if you wanted to? Well, there's a few angles to it. One of them is okay. Yeah, you know, I when I was younger, I was really into them, and you know, the Mm -hmm. posters and all that kind of stuff. And now that I'm older and you know, more practical and thing and more, <laughs> more realistic. Um, my take on it is it's one of those things that I'm glad exist for the sake of advancement, mm-hmm. for the sake of just, you know, car culture in general. And, uh, you know, you, you come across these innovations or these new features where I think you and I were talking about it before where, you have these points in your life where you're like, oh, you know, I've seen so much. You're kind of jaded. You get kind of bored or you get kind of in this rut. And then you see something 
uh, that, you know, uh, just really excites you and reminds you, oh, yeah, like I'm never going to be out of love with cars. There's always something around the bend that really excites you and, and uh, you know, stimulates you intellectually and gets you on a, you know, it, it really appeals to the little kid inside you. And, th- and that's mm-hmm. another part of this is I, you know, I remember when I started getting into cars, I was a young kid. Now, it helped that my dad was into cars and he took me with him to buy, you know, uh, first generation Mustangs and post-World War II GM trucks and things like that. Um, so for me, and I think for most people, uh, love of cars starts at a young age, young age. It starts when you're a kid. So another thing I like about the constant evolution of hypercars and, you know, just ridiculously expensive uh, vehicles is that I know there are going to be kids out there that see them, you know, on TV or YouTube these days or Instagram or whatever, and that's going to plant the seed in their head. And that could change the rest of their life, not just as an enthusiast uh, or, you know, hobbyist, but you don't know what it could lead to. They could get into, you know, uh, they could go on to have their own collection of them. They could work for some of these companies. I just really love that potential for uh, just changing, you know, starting this love of cars at such a young age because, you know, that's that happened to me. Yeah, you know what? You actually, I like the direction you're going with that because that made me think of another point. So we talked about how most of these cars are unattainable for most of us. However... With advancements in technology, sim racing and racing games have made it so you can still enjoy these cars in another way, even if you can't afford them in the traditional sense. Also, a lot of those manufacturers go racing, so that's something to get excited about, I would argue. A lot of those cars are GT3. Like, I'm not looking for an argument cars. here. I mean, I'm not, that's not an argument. It's just a general discussion because I, I genuinely... And, and you know, pull my car guy card here that we joked about earlier. But oh, we already did. Yeah, I I genuinely <laughs> lack interest. So I, you're I don't, telling me I go to a car show and there's an Aventador parked next to a Pagani parked next to a 1985 Escort GT. Mm-hmm. Well, I know where this. I'm is gonna going to go look at the 1985 <laughs> Escort GT because it's more interesting to me. Maybe that's a poor example, but it's so just it's the extreme you, example. I you just don't I like don't, hearing the V12s. I these do modern. not like hearing cars revving at car shows. I do not like it. I am. I do I, not I, like I am my eggs green. Sam, Sam I am. am. Yes, I, I am vehemently against the loud exhaust revving at car shows and the pops and bangs of modern cars that seem to happen. Everything from cheap. You know, use BMWs to these Lamborghinis. What about out on the road, though? Hey, like if they do a flyby or do, something I, like if, that. If it's in a, a city center or a community where people are going to judge me as a car person because this ostentatious person with their straight pipe Lamborghini, I'm totally against it. Oh, okay, hundred so, percent against it. Yeah, I, I, I'm on both sides of that. I like that people are willing to drive the cars in a sense, so you can hear and understand. I guess some of like how good it sounds, and I guess kind of experienced the car. Yeah, you're living vicariously through them for a few seconds. But at the same time, where Brad's coming from, he has a point. We were just talking about this earlier even, how one of the local pavilion car show, some people just rev, like not doing anything interesting, just 
non-interesting cars, motorcycles included, um, just it's, revving. It's frustrating as a, a car enthusiast car because show. you want to be able to go enjoy things in places. And unfortunately, as a car enthusiast, our enjoyment involves having to have a place to park your car in a parking lot Which in a public you setting. you lose the rights to when you people You lose the rights to having that when people are obnoxious. Exactly. And it's so many events get shut down because of it. And, you know, all the... I don't want to go too stereotypical here, but the older crowd is always like, oh, it's all these young kids in their Honda Civics. And it really isn't. It's the more well-to-do crowd in their Lamborghinis and some of the older crowd in their Mustangs and Camaros. Yeah, the same thing. Of, yeah. And the Chargers. And it's just, it's very frustrating to be, again, all of us at one point were part of the younger crowd. And it was tough to be judged as part of the younger crowd. Jeff, you're still in the younger crowd, so yeah. you, yep. can, you can you can have a point here about this. But people look at you that don't know cars, and they look at somebody who went by in this ostentatious, ridiculous car, and they're like, that's what you're into? Pfft, what a terrible jerk that guy is. Yeah, and it's not to say that I don't think people should enjoy their cars. I just think there's a more Time responsible way of doing it. Like, yeah. like, if we're being honest, the way Pavilions is, is um, Subtle Brag, longest running car show, like in possibly the U.S. It is, um, yeah. Every Saturdays for the longest last running 20, 29 years. Show, yeah. yeah. Anything more than that. Uh, last last number I heard was 27, and I think I heard that number several years ago, so that's why I inflate sure. that a bit. Um, anywho, um, Pavilions is a, a very casual car show, and for those of you that don't know, it is it fills up what is essentially an outdoor mall parking lot, mm-hmm. and mo- there's lots of people walking around, and so it's not a place to be doing dumb things. Usually there's cops there to make sure it's also sure. a little bit more settled, um, but really all you do is show up and park your car and walk around. Mm-hmm. So when people are just sitting in their car revving, it's really annoying. Very annoying. Anyway, so that's one of the things that makes me anti-supercar, hypercar, because I guess I really can't blame the car. I can only blame certain owners. And obviously, I'm not saying that everybody that owns a Lamborghini is a giant jerk in a parking lot, because they're not. It's just, it seems to be that a lot of them are, which is very frustrating. Mm-hmm. But it makes me not care too much about the cars. Maybe it's part of what you brought up, being jaded, because we do live... <laughs> We're not rich, but we live in a rich adjacent community. And, you know, Scottsdale famously is not poor. Mm-hmm. And all of us live within a few miles of Scottsdale. So we see this stuff just every day. You know, again, yes, a day doesn't go almost by. Almost every that car I, show in Phoenix has the I don't one. see a Porsche. I don't see a Lamborghini. I don't see an Aston Martin. Who, who? What part of the country do you see an Aston Martin every day? They mm-hmm. sell like 17 of them a year. You see one a day here every day. It doesn't matter what day it is. Mm-hmm. All this stuff just exists and is so pervasive that it's just like, eh, it might as well be a Corolla for me. Oh. Well, you I know, and disagree with that. Again, I'm not looking for agreement or disagreement. This is my personal opinion. I don't get excited seeing an Aventador. I don't get excited seeing a Lamborghini. I don't even know their names anymore. Gallardo is that a common Lamborghini anymore? Gallardo, thank you, Gallardo. And that, no, and it, no, it's it's. I mean, it's common, but it, that's an old one, Brad. It's a, the Huracan, Huracan is the current Gallardo. But and I'm not trying to say I, I don't know the names, but I really don't know the names. I couldn't. I, I joked earlier that Ferrari bring, bring Jeff to the car show to tell you what the Ferraris are because. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the Ferraris are. You I'm could, just going to bypass that, and I'm just going to look in the passenger window. Look at that now. <laughs> yeah. For the badge. God forbid you hang out with Jeff. <laughs> what a terrible idea. Um, yeah, you, you could, you know, you could tell me it was. Oh, that's that's guys. That's the brand new Ferrari 1129. I'm like, oh, sweet. I like that one. I, I, but I, again, I just don't know because I don't fill my head with this information, and it's not. 
I don't know. It's it's not a, it's not a a judgment of you guys for liking it. I was just genuinely curious what it is that brings you into the cars because I just don't know. I really I I mean some people like baseball, right? There's like a baseball, there's but. definitely a to each your own about it. Like I said personally, I I think a lot of the cars look good. I like playing them in racing games. I just yeah. I think it's cool to look up to. You know, it's like. And again, I, I get to a point your whole like child wonderment thing you brought up like as a kid. Sure, mm-hmm. if I saw a countage as a kid, oh my god, a countage, so cool. Yeah. I, also, at that point, I didn't live in outside of Scottsdale, so I didn't see him as often. Maybe and if Scottsdale it's wasn't even that built up. Over. I, I didn't care about Transformers. I only like Transformers mm-hmm. when they were cars. They're robots. I was like, go back to a car. <laughs> what are a robot for? I don't want to see the real you. Yeah. <laughs> Put your clothes on, man. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't like Transformers because they weren't cars. I was a you know. Go, go back to disguise mode. I was a Hot Wheels kid. All right, that's that's about where it ends. That's where I think a lot of us. Start. I mean, I'm also a Hot Wheels adult. I guess at this point, right? Is, I, I would argue. I would argue that's where it starts. The Hot Wheels, you know, it's it's well, Hot Wheels' it, fault it, it, for this, making nicer models. But this and this is where I was going with that conversation. Like as a kid, like yeah, sure. I was excited to see a Lamborghini. Not thinking I could ever own one because it was like the wonderment of how fast that thing is. And at the time they were fast, but they weren't this like modern hypercar fast. But also as a kid, I remember being excited to see a Volvo 240. Mm. That explains a lot. Right. (laughs) Well, and I can blame my dad for that because he ran a body shop when I was a kid and one of his customers was a Volvo dealer. And every time he'd go get parts from the Volvo dealer, he would get a little toy Volvo from the Volvo dealer. So I played with Volvos. Oh, cool. So he'll say, why did you not get into muscle cars and race cars? Why are you into mm. Volvos and Mitsubishis? Like it's because of the Volvos he bought me when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, so sorry, mm. Dad. You screwed up. <laughs> a horrible job raising me. No. <laughs> you know, this is really, yeah, this is his fault. Yeah, all his fault. It's all I, his fault like Ferraris. It's, see... To bring up an interesting point along the lines of what got you into certain things and the child and wonderment thing, I think me getting into cars, obviously I grew up around old muscle cars, Corvettes, even British cars, but looking back at it, when I was first learning about what current cars were at that book, like I said, it was the Ferrari Enzo, which was brand new at the time. And then from there, as I grew older and learned different things, I started learning more about the older cars. So even I would say the newer cars almost contributed to me becoming a car enthusiast and then learning more about the older cars later. Exactly. Okay. So, and I agree with that because that's how I got into my seventies Colts, the rear wheel drive Colts, because Mm -hmm. I bought a fairly at the time contemporary Eagle Talon, which was a Mitsubishi Eclipse, all drive turbo, whatever. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a neat car. And I was like, oh, Mitsubishi Starions are cool. And I was like, how did Mitsubishi Mm -hmm. start making these cool rear wheel drive sports cars? (laughs) Oh, they raced these Lancers in the desert and the rallies back in the Mm seventies. Oh, too bad we didn't get those here. Oh, they sold a Dodge Colts. I want to start buying all of them because they're neat. Nobody knows what they are. Mm -hmm. So I get that going back thing i just didn't do it with ferraris i did it with dodge colts for some reason <laughs> I, I don't know maybe my brain is just broken i guess it's at the end of the day but i just genuinely don't really get excited about supercars and hypercars and i I've, I've tried i genuinely have i just anything beyond like a porsche 911 kind of doesn't interest me again halo cars ferrari f40 awesome 9-11, awesome. We'll circle back to this question in 20 years. <laughs> sure. What do you think Please of the do. 458 and 488? When I'm making parts of my 3D printer for my Dodge Colt still. <laughs> Out of metal 3D, Out of 3D printers metal 3D that are printing now affordable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, 
that was my question for the day. I, I, I had a couple other little ones too, but I think we'll hold off for some other time in the future. Um, that took a little longer than expected, but that was good insight. Um, I, I, I appreciate your opinions on this one. Um, much like you said earlier, uh, I don't agree with them, so therefore they're wrong. <laughs> but fair enough. <laughs> hey, it, it is what it is. None of us have a Ferrari, but not yet. Not yet. None of us have a 300. None of us have a brand new Ferrari. How's that sound? Because I could see any one of us rolling up in a 308. I, part of me has wondered if I should go for a California and like try to like save the means to get one because they have dropped. Granted, they're probably at their all-time low because I know 430s have kind of started to come up. So, what's the California worth? Uh, right now, you can buy it with a, a ratty one like 80, but a reasonable one 90 to 110. Hmm. Interesting. I will buy 90 Dodge Colts. I'd be a totally <laughs> happy man. <laughs> So, <laughs> if you can find that many, yeah, well, that's that's the problem. I don't, I don't need that many. Yeah. So please follow Auto Hunter and ClassicCars.com through the Collector Car Network. They have a TikTok page, a YouTube channel, YouTube channel for each. And if you want to follow up for the news sooner than the next podcast episode, we'll be we'll be covering the brand new Pagani Ferrari Mustang along with some other things as well. That comes out on Saturdays. Excellent. Classic so that's Cars on the TV. Classic Cars TV YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. There's an Auto Hunter Cinema channel. Yep. So the TikTok channel is Collector Car Network. Collector Car Network. Facebook is? Um, there's uh, Collector Car Network, Facebook, and ClassicCars.com. Then they all have their own Instagrams as well. Interesting. So lots of places to follow. Yes. So follow, like, subscribe, etc. All the things I'm supposed to tell you to do at the end of every episode. In, in a, a lot of those channels, you can see Jeff in person hosting the videos, showing you the person, content in video, digitally. Yes. Oh, well, yes, yes, digitally. If so you want to see my beautiful face, we don't have Willy Wonka technology. If here you want yet, to put a face can, with a voice, go watch the YouTube channel. Right. Exactly. If you don't ever want to. We also understand. I, actually, Brad's, Brad's on there too. So if you want to see Brad's face, you can also find him talking about opals, straight lies, slightly, slightly oh, different yes. than Volvo's. Yeah. yeah, but but also weird, obscure, and boxy, and I'm totally into yes. it. Yes, also yeah. a Bradmobile. Uh, Bradmobile, TM, TM, TM. You're, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yours now. All right, everybody, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye.